Hi there, and welcome to Biohack Your Beauty. I'm your host, Dora Vandekamp, and I'm very excited about the show today because we have Maria Marlowe on the show, and she is an integrative nutritionist. She attended the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, the same school that I attended, and she's here to talk about eating for beauty and why excess weight, poor health, and acne are not caused by bad genes or bad luck or bad karma. They're caused by a bad diet. So she's here to talk about why our eating habits cause these issues that we've got and why a whole unprocessed, mostly plant-based diet is the optimal way to go. And then she also tells us how to do it. So I'm very excited to have her on the show. Today's show is brought to you by Biophoton Services. This is one of my favorite beauty biohacks and just biohacks in general because in order for me to be able to heal my body, it has to be in its most optimal healthy state. And when I'm feeling off or I'm feeling out of balance, I immediately call Kathy at Biophoton Services and I get a treatment. This treatment is completely non-invasive and it regenerates healthy cells from the inside out. It also helps my body protect itself from GMOs, chemicals, heavy metals, and electromagnetic radiation, which is all around us all the time. So for me to have a very strong immune system, I know that Biophoton Services is essential for that. If you would like to find out more, you can go to biophotonservices.com. You can also make an appointment either for an in-person treatment or a remote treatment and mention my name for 20% off your first visit. All right, everybody, without further ado, Maria Marlowe. All right. Welcome to the show, Maria. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm excited to be here. Me too. I'm so excited to have you. I've been really looking forward to talking to you because I have so many questions for you. Um, But I want to start at the beginning. How did you become so passionate about teaching nutrition? So it's funny because I never grew up thinking I would ever get into nutrition or food or healthy eating at all. I grew up on a really processed standard American diet. I always joke that in, in truth, uh, the only vegetables I ate up until the age of 18 were tomatoes on pizza and french fries. Um, and I really got into nutrition because I, I developed a lot of health problems. So around my 16th birthday, I started getting acne really badly. I, I was about 20 pounds heavier than I am now, but that actually didn't bother me at all. I didn't even know that I was 20 pounds overweight. It's when I changed my eating habits for other reasons. I like, dropped 20 pounds. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I was just sick all of the time, like every cold and flu and virus. And so all of these things, and I just didn't feel great. So long story short, I when I got to college, I was a originally studying fashion and one of my classmates there I was complaining about my skin and she's like hey it might be what you're eating and I'm sitting there it was like lunch and I'm eating pizza and Entman's chocolate chip cookies <laughs> and probably washing it down with the soda and she's like yeah it might be might be what you're eating so I'd been to all these dermatologists um, I tried proactive and every over-the-counter I've tried prescription medications and nothing was really clearing up my acne so I was like okay fine I bought a book on the subject I drastically changed my diet cut out processed foods I added in vegetables besides tomato sauce and french fries and uh 
lo and behold, my skin actually cleared up. So for me, that was like when the light bulb went off and I was like, oh my God, food is so powerful. Why isn't anyone teaching us this? And I made it my mission to then teach people the power of food. Wow. That's so crazy because you're literally like a, you were like an experiment. Totally. Yeah, and you saw the result. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, that's what I tell people. Food affects each of us differently. So you and I can eat the same exact foods and they might be fine for you, but for me, they cause acne or for me, they cause bloating or for me, they cause something allergic reaction. And so because the way food was affecting me was on my skin, I could see it in the mirror. A lot of people aren't so lucky because the way that food affects them is internal. So they don't really know what's going on. And it was, you know, it was a blessing really because I was able to really see in the mirror when I ate certain foods, my skin cleared up. When I ate other foods, I woke up with a giant pimple. (laughs) Yeah. And so you said like, well, some of the things that people have issues with, they can't see. So what would be some of those things? Because I think a lot of people don't make the connection that something like arthritis has to do with what they're eating. So what are some other issues that people might have that are connected to what they're eating? Oh, kind of almost everything. You know, (laughs) really food affects everything. So from eczema and psoriasis and other skin conditions to things like arthritis and any sort of inflammatory problems. Digestive issues are a big one. And it's interesting with digestive issues because that would make the most sense that food affects it because food is coming in direct contact with our digestive system. But a lot of times people don't put two and two together. I've seen in my own practice, I'll have clients come in and I'll be like, do you have any digestive issues? And they'll be like, no, I just want to lose weight. And then as we continue working together, they'll mention that they're always gassy or bloated. I'm like, oh, well, why didn't you tell me this? They're like, oh, well, I just thought I was a gassy person. (laughs) I'm like, no. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, people think like they don't even know that they're uncomfortable or that they like crap until they feel better. Right. And then they're like, oh, my God, I was really bloated all the time. Or, you know, that's not normal. Like, it's not normal to feel like crap by like 10 a.m. or you know, 2 p.m. and want to go back to sleep. That's normal for a lot of people. I totally. And that's another big one. Fatigue or having a lack of energy can be because of what you're eating. Headaches and migraines could be triggered by what you're eating. Pretty much anything that you can think of in some way, shape or form could be influenced, maybe not 100%, but could be influenced by what you're eating or doing. And so if someone has one of those issues or health problems, how do they figure out what in their diet is causing that or what multiple things might be causing it. So there are a couple ways. I think the best way is keeping a food diary and being really cognizant of what you're eating and then what's going on in your body. So most food diaries are really just tracking the calories that you're eating. But what I really recommend is track more the food and then also track your symptoms. So notice when you eat a bowl of cereal, do you start sneezing? Do you get a runny nose? Uh, How do you feel? Do you get a headache? after these all these little things that you think oh whatever I just sneeze like I don't know I don't know why I sneeze I just sneeze this could actually be a sign of a food allergy or intolerance Um, do you get bloated and gassy afterwards do you notice that when you eat a certain way maybe your skin gets more red or maybe your acne flares up so really just being more cognizant of what you're putting into your body and then how you feel after. Are you tired? And keeping a log of this, even for just 
three to five days is sufficient, ideally a week, and you'll start to see patterns. And then you can start to pinpoint. I do recommend working with a practitioner. Like if you do have some specific issues, they can help tell you like, okay, maybe these foods that you're eating could be triggering this. So why don't we try eliminating that? And then you would eliminate that food group for at least two weeks. And then you'll notice, okay, did my issue go away or is it still there? If it went away, that could be a good sign that it was triggering something. And then you could always try reintroducing it and see if it flares up again. And that would be a great, like, very clear way to figure out what's going on. Um, if you eliminate the food, but your symptoms still persist, and you really eliminate it for the two weeks, then it might not be that food that you suspected. It might be something else. And then you can try another elimination. What are some of the foods or food groups that are potentially causing these allergies or inflammation issues? So some of the most common, definitely gluten and dairy. Um, dairy is mm. actually a big one for acne too. So, which was very sad for me being Italian and gro <laughs> growing up on everything dairy, dairy at every meal, cheese, milk, cream, like, oh, I used to like swim in dairy basically. <laughs> and so I thought my life was over food because for me, it triggers acne personally. I literally can eat something with dairy and break out the next day. So for me, it seemed like my life was over when I got, you know, okay. when I figured that out. But it's really, you know, it takes a little bit of time. But once you eliminate it, you feel so much better. It also got rid of digestive issues, which I just thought were normal and that I was a gassy, bloated person. Um, <laughs> and so you feel so much better that you eventually don't even want those foods that are going to make you sick or not feel great. Mm -hmm. So if somebody wants to start to change those things, what would be some of the first steps that they would take? Because there are people who were like you who never had vegetables, bread for breakfast, pasta for lunch, and like potatoes and dessert for dinner. And that's their whole diet for somebody to all of a sudden have to like take all those things out or maybe take out a lot of that. Where do they start? It's scary for them, you know? Yes, that's a great question. So my philosophy is more about adding things in. Yes, you're going to eventually have to take things out, but let's start with the low-hanging fruit. Let's add the good stuff in. So... I usually have one of the first things that I have people do is simply add in more vegetables because that the vegetables are something that we as Americans and people in general, you know, many different countries, it's not just America, but we're chronically vegetable and fruit deficient. We really do not eat anywhere near enough. And so simply adding that in is one great first step. So I like to take baby steps. I think if you you know, I didn't even change my diet overnight. I kind of changed one thing out of it at a time and then kind of kept adding on. So that's what I recommend. Start with one, one habit, like let's say adding more vegetables in, drinking enough water. And then once you master that, give yourself a week or two. And then you can add on the next habit, which is maybe cutting down on sugar, getting rid of the soda, choosing better natural sweeteners, that kind of thing. Once you get that down, okay, then you work on the next thing. And really doing it one step at a time is what I think leads to sustainable results because you don't feel deprived and you don't feel like your life is over like overnight and everything's changing overnight. <laughs> totally, because it can feel like that, especially because you're not only changing something big because food is such an emotional thing, but also you're taking away these they're kind of like drugs a little bit because sugar and 
gluten in cheese, they kind of affect you in a very chemical induced way. Oh, totally. And yeah, beyond just the chemical stuff, which they do, you know, affect you chemically, is that it's also food is very tied to our emotions as well. You know, we use food to celebrate, we use food to comfort ourselves. And so food is just wrapped up. And it's just such an important part of our life in so many different respects, that it can be it can feel like your life is over. Like if you have to give up your favorite dessert, you know, that you use to comfort you or that reminds you of your mom or something like that, then then yeah, it can be very, very difficult. Once you take out the bread and the pasta and all the foods that the staple foods that someone's used to eating, they feel like, okay, well, what am I going to eat? There's nothing left. You know, we're not even exposed to, you know, other ways of eating because eating this way, eating cereal for breakfast, eating bread and sandwiches for lunch, eating pasta and pizza for dinner, that's just sort of the norm. And so people don't even realize that there are other options or where to find them or how to make them. That's why in my practice and on my website, I'm always focusing on how do you make plant-based foods? Like that's the recipes, the types of recipes I focus on because people know how to cook seafood or steak or whatever. They don't really know what to do with a vegetable. Yeah, totally, totally. And they don't get excited about vegetables either you know they think oh it's broccoli or carrots or whatever but you can do all kinds of really yummy stuff with it you just kind of have to learn oh for sure and I think that that was the thing I mean even personally when I learned that I needed to incorporate more plant-based foods into my diet I thought all I would eat was salad and (sighs) you know I I haven't had a salad in I don't I did have one like recently but before that I hadn't had a salad in a long time because I eat a lot of cooked vegetables there's so many ways that you can cook them you can spiralize them you can roast them there's so many things you can do with them that yeah I think they're just not our go-to recipes like you know grandma's not handing down her roasted broccoli recipe. Right, exactly. So what about packaged foods? Are there packaged foods that are good for you or that you can, how, how do you choose what packaged foods are good choice in the grocery store or for lunch? Yeah, so I think packaged foods can play a part in our life. It's 2018, we're all busy, we don't have a lot of time. And so packaged foods can make our life more convenient. I think the most important thing that we want to do when we're choosing packaged foods is to look at the ingredient list. Now, we're traditionally taught to look at the nutrition facts panel first, but that's really not the best way to ascertain the healthiness of a product because it doesn't give us enough information. More and more research is showing us that it's the quality of the calories that's more important than the quantity of the calories. So if you think about that, if you have 100 calories of cookies versus 100 calories of avocado, intuitively, you know that avocado is healthier. Or some people, some people think avocado is very unhealthy because it's very high in fat. Uh, But, you know, 100 calories of an apple. And then, oh, maybe maybe it has too, too much sugar, right? So you know, they're not apples to apples, like you're not comparing the same thing, even though it has the same amount of calories, it's going to react in your body very differently. And so that's why you want to look at the ingredient list and look for foods that contain ingredients that are made with real food ingredients. And some people say you want to make sure you can pronounce them. I think a better way to, to think about it is to think about you want to choose ingredients that you would stock on their own in your kitchen. So for example, you can probably pronounce high fructose corn syrup um, or yellow number five, but you're probably not keeping a bottle of those in your kitchen. So 
foods that contain them, I would avoid. I would stick to the ones that have simple ingredients, real food ingredients, and, and not a ton of ingredients. That's a really good point. And I think a, there's a lot of things that are in, um, you know, the ingredient list that that you wouldn't eat on your own. You wouldn't ever want to consume those, you know. So, yeah, looking at the ingredient list is huge. So what about um, when you're going out to eat? Because I feel like most people, the majority of the time, they're not cooking at home. It might be ideal for them to cook at home, but they're not really doing that. They're going out even for lunch. They go to go to Whole Foods to go to the hot bar or maybe, you know, they're going out to dinner with friends or family. So how can you eat healthy in a restaurant or at, you know, the deli? Yes, so totally. I know you're in LA. I'm in New York City. Most people do not cook at home. I do. I like to, but I still go out to eat a lot. And I think that's just the culture. And so you can still eat healthy when you eat out. So I think first and foremost, if you can choose the restaurant, do a little digging beforehand and look at menus. I really love using the Happy Cow app which you can go to their website, it's happycow.net, or they have an app that's a couple dollars, which is such a lifesaver. I've used it all over the world when I'm traveling, trying to find healthy places. And they do show vegetarian and vegan restaurants, as well as restaurants that are vegetarian or vegan friendly. Um, and they just tend to have a huge database of restaurants that are gonna have healthy options for you. So I, I would say that's a good place to start. And or just kind of Google Google restaurants and look at the menus. In general, I find uh, Japanese restaurants tend to have pretty healthy options. Mediterranean, like Greek restaurants, for example, tend to have pretty good options. But you can really find the best options. No matter where you go, you can find good options. So a couple tips. One of the more, most important things for us to do, like I mentioned earlier, is to eat more vegetables. And so what I like to advise my clients to do is try and fill 50% of their plate, at least with veggies. And when you order at a restaurant, you're usually going to have to order an appetizer like a salad or some sides. And a lot of restaurants, most restaurants have side dishes like sauteed greens or broccoli or carrots or whatever. So order enough veggies that you're filling up 50% of your plate with veggies. And then for protein, very often restaurants are giving us double, if not more, the portion of protein that we actually need. So the the ideal portion of protein, like an animal protein, would be like seafood or meat or chicken, is about three to four ounces, which is about the size of a deck of cards. And so if the restaurant is giving you eight ounces, you want to split that with a friend. And, you know, so maybe you split the entree um, with each other and then you order a bunch of those veggie sides. Um, so those are a couple ideas. Another thing that you have to watch out for in restaurants is that they typically use really bad vegetable oils and they are inflammatory. Vegetable oils like you know, soy oil, corn oil, these are uh, inflammatory. And so you could ask, for example, to have your whatever you're having to be cooked in olive oil, um, or go really light on the oil, um, you know, maybe use less salt or no salt, because they also tend to be very ha heavy handed with the salt. So those are just little tweaks that you can ask for. That all being said, I also do encourage this idea of 80-20, so 80% of the time, do the best that you can, eat as healthy as you can. The other 20% do not stress over. So if you go to a restaurant 
don't drive yourself crazy if it's not the healthiest meal on the planet. Just do the best that you can, make the best choice that you can off the menu, and that's it. And just move mm-hmm. on. What would you do um, if some? What would you tell someone if their family or their friends kind of give them a hard time? Because that happens to a lot of people when they decide to eat healthy. Their peers or maybe their friends or family, it makes them uncomfortable. So how can you deal with that? Or what would you do in that situation? Yes, I've been there. I'm sometimes still in that situation, though, 10 years later. (laughs) (laughs) So people don't like change. People are terrified of change. And people like you the way that you are. And they don't want you to change because then they feel like they're being judged. It's the same thing with alcohol, right? Like if you go out to a bar with a bunch of friends, and someone's not drinking, everyone is like attacking that person, like, why aren't you drinking? Have a drink, have a drink, because they don't want to feel judged. And so when it comes to food, I think the most important thing, first and foremost, is not to preach. Because again, I was this was me when I first started, I was so amazed by the power of food to change everything in my body that I just wanted to scream it from the mountaintops. And I wanted everyone that I knew to eat as healthy as me because I was like, your life will be so much better. You're going to lose weight. You're going to feel better. You're not going to have headaches. Like your life is going to be amazing. Please eat this kale, eat these vegetables. And that is the most annoying thing. It's the same thing. Oh, it's yeah. like when someone's pressuring me. <laughs> I'm, I'm so annoying too. I tried so hard. I'm like, oh, shut up, Dora. Stop, stop. But it's so hard because you just, you feel so passionate about it, you know? Yeah. And then it's also like, you know, you feel like you have this knowledge and that other people don't maybe have that knowledge and you want to share it with them because you want to help them, right? It's all, it's yeah. coming out of hope. But what I found is that it's best to kind of zip your lips and keep quiet and let people come to you. So in the beginning, yeah, people might make comments or make fun of you or whatever, but you kind of just have to put your, you know, blinders on and cover your ears, so to speak, and not let it bother you because you have to understand or or remember, you know, why you're changing your habits and why you decided to eat healthy because you are trying to take care of your body and this is the best way that you know how. So stay true to that. And then over time, as you start to see results, typically the other people around you are going to start asking questions like, hey, wait a minute, like, why is your skin glowing? Like, why do you look so good? Or, you know, you you look really great. Like, did you lose weight? Or, you know, I noticed you're not taking, you know, Advil because, you know, you don't feel sick, whatever. And so then they're going to start asking questions and be interested. And then that would be a great time to share with them versus being the food police and making people <laughs> feel awkward. Uh-huh. Food police. Yeah, that's me too. I, I, I mean, I'm, I've gotten better at it. And it's true. I think you're right. People don't like being judged. They, and not that you're judging them, but I think it's easy for people to feel that way. And, and especially if you don't have the knowledge, it can feel like that because a lot of people have personal issues, maybe with their weight, or maybe they do feel guilty about eating a pint of ice cream or whatever, you know, and then for someone to be like, yeah, that's not good for you. You're like, I know that already. So exactly. And food is a very personal issue. So to give you an example, you know, I changed my diet about 10 years ago. And then that's when I was like the food police. And I'm trying to get my parents to change. And they did change like my dad used to drink like a ton of diet soda every single day, he cut that out completely. He started drinking green juice at one point. Um, and he'll sporadically, you know, through the years, he'll go through these green juice for breakfast phases. Um, you know, and then when I'm over, we'll have like organic salads and organic vegetables and like, you know, have some healthy stuff. But then when I'm not there, they're still ordering pizza, they're going to McDonald's, they're they're not eating the healthiest foods. And so, you know, recently, um, my mom had a bit of a health scare, and she, 
you know, she thought she knows all the things to do. Like she's read the books, you know, she's watched the documentary. She knows what to do, but knowing is not the same as doing. And so she uh, went to the doctor and she had very, very high blood pressure. And she was shocked because she couldn't imagine how she got this. But meanwhile, (laughs) you know, she's eating a ton of candy or things. And so, um, you know, that was a wake up call for her. And that's when it all clicked. And she's like, okay, I'm actually going to clean up my diet. I'm not going to order pizza I'm not gonna eat candy I'm not gonna do this and she needed that doctor to tell her you know you're heading down a bad path to what kind of wake her up and for her to decide to do it I think a lot of times we just feel like we're invincible and you know we think like oh that's not gonna happen to us or oh we feel pretty good now like you know who cares about down the line but I think that's one of the things that I hope to change with our society is this idea of just trying to reverse things, like instead of emphasizing prevention. And I think it's a lot easier to prevent issues happening than, I mean, of course we can reverse them, but it's a lot easier to prevent than to reverse. Yeah. And I, I believe that we're getting to that point now where we are thinking more about prevention because we do like to live in the moment. We do like to be, you know, well, somebody's birthday or it's Christmas or it's 4th of July or whatever. And so I can have this, I can have that, but just kind of evaluating and thinking, okay, well, is it really worth it? Do I really want to take this whatever big chocolate sundae and eat the whole thing or can I skip it or can I just have a couple bites or whatever Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah and I think it's also important for each of us to have boundaries so for example you know yes if it's someone's birthday have have the birthday cake but if you have a gluten sensitivity and it makes you ill well then that is something where you really want to have a hard no and say no I'm not going to eat a food that's going to make me physically ill um Mm -hmm. But like, hey, there's French fries there. All right, fine. You know, I want some French fries. Eat the French fries. So um, I think it's just a really personal uh, journey that we have to go on and figuring out, okay, what are my non-negotiables? Are there certain foods that make me physically ill? Then those are the foods that I probably want to avoid 100%. And then other things may not be great for me, but they're not going to make me physically ill. Um, you know, so once in a while, it's totally fine. And by physically ill, would you say like that includes the acne and the kind of the inflammation or digestive issues or bloating or whatever? Those are kind of included. Yeah. Well, and again, that's totally up to you. Like, so I have friends, for example, who also get acne from from dairy and they'll be like, oh, well, I really want this piece of cheese. So I don't care if I wake up with a pimple tomorrow. I don't care. I'm (laughs) going to have it. So, yeah, it's really a very personal choice. Yeah. You know, once you I think the most important thing is understanding your body and then understanding your food triggers and then making choices based on what you feel like is is best for you. Um, and what do you think is the value of eating organic? Do you think that that's a big component? Because as far as, you know, having those reactions as far like inflammation or digestive issues or acne, um, do you think those are connected to eating non-organic foods? So I think that in an ideal world, we would eat as much organic food as possible. But I think, and we all have different tolerances to things, but I think there are a few ways that we can decide. Like, it's not always feasible for everyone to eat organic all the time, which is totally understandable. So I think there's a few ways to decide which foods you're going to have organic and which not. So, for example, when it comes to vegetables, there's something called the Environmental Working Group's Dirty Dozen list. And that lists every year they list the top 12 to 15 foods or uh 
fruits or vegetables that have the highest amount or the most toxic pesticides on them. So those are the foods that I would recommend choosing organic when you can. And then they have the clean 15 list, which are the foods that have the least amount of pesticides. And then those, you know, if you could buy them organic, great. But if you can't, totally fine. Conventional won't be a big issue. Now, when it comes to animal products, I do strongly believe that those should always be organic because I feel like the way that our conventional meat is made and raised is really not conducive to health. And so we (laughs) want to make sure that we're feeding our body the highest quality animal products. So for animal products, always should be organic. That's going to help us avoid um, antibiotics and hormones that are sometimes added to conventional animal products or animals before they become animal products. And um, they're also typically more nutritious than conventional. So I, yes, organic animal products, 100%. And if somebody is making those changes, it can be kind of overwhelming to go grocery shopping because it's like there's so much to choose from. There's so many like um, new things. And so what would be a way or a couple of tips to help somebody not be overwhelmed in the grocery store when they're trying to be healthier and trying to kind of add in new foods and maybe cut out other foods? Yeah, so I totally agree. And actually, when I first started, I used to give a ton of grocery store tours, because the food store can actually be overwhelming, especially when you decide to eat healthier. And maybe instead of shopping at a regular grocery store, you start shopping at a Whole Foods or a you know health food store. It can be very overwhelming. So and that's actually why I ended up writing the book, The Real Food Grocery Guide. So Uh, A few things. One, go in with a list. So know what you want. That is uh, going to be very, very helpful and make sure you don't get distracted. Two, you want to kind of shop the perimeter of the store and the fresh stuff. So the produce section, the seafood section, the butcher section, uh, the fresh produce, that is where you want to spend most of your time. You really want to avoid most of the inner aisles. I actually recommend um, also not only to save time, but to save money to shop online for any of your non-perishable goods. So there's a store called or a website called Vitacost.com, and they offer basically all the same brands that are in a Whole Foods or a health food store at 25 to 50% cheaper. It's free shipping over $49. It's at your door in two days. And so it's like you save time, you save money, and you don't have to schlep the bags home. So I'm like, why Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. So I buy like all my oils or spices or, you know, snack foods or seaweed or whatever I'm buying, I'll get there. And then that will also just save you time. So then you can just get the fresh stuff at the grocery store. Um, and now even there are ways like you could order produce um, online. You can order even animal products online, like from different CSAs, like farmer's markets. Um, So yeah, so I would say do online shopping. I feel like that helps because then you're not overwhelmed when you're actually at the grocery store. Those are really good tips. The list thing is big because for me, if I don't go in with a list to the grocery store, I want to buy like three things in my head. I'm like, oh, I need this and that. And I literally have 20 things by the time I'm at the cash register. <laughs> you yeah. Know? And don't, don't go hungry either. Make sure you eat before <laughs> you go. That's another one. <laughs> Very good tip. Um, so I do want to ask you a little bit about sugar because we haven't really talked too much about the effects of sugar on the body. But what? Um, why is it important to balance your blood sugar? 
So sugar, unfortunately, as good as it tastes, is not so great for our body. Um, it's definitely a, um, it definitely contributes to weight gain and obesity. It also contributes to inflammation in the body. And so inflammation is believed to be one of the root causes of many, if not all, chronic illness and disease. And, um, and even our skin. So a high sugar diet can actually cause acne. Um, it can cause premature aging of the skin. So AKA wrinkles. Um, and so it's not good for our weight. It's not good for our skin. It's not good for our brain either. It can cause brain fog. And if you've ever had sugar or been on that sort of sugar roller coaster where you're kind of addicted to it, right? Where you need to get that hit of sugar to have energy. And then a couple of hours later, you crash and you're moody and you're irritable, maybe you're tired. So then you reach for more sugar to kind of give you that high again, and then you're kind of in this endless cycle. So those are just a few of the, the big reasons that you want to avoid sugar. Also, it increases our risk of chronic illness. So for example, um, type 2 diabetes. And so we definitely want to move towards a low glycemic diet. And the research shows that a low glycemic diet, meaning a diet in which your blood sugar stays relatively sh stable, is one that has been associated with um, a very like an ease in losing weight or maintaining a healthy weight. It's also one that's going to reduce our risk for various chronic illness and disease. And so, for example, if sugar is causing inflammation in your body, once you take it out and then you're adding in those anti-inflammatory foods, then your inflammation is going to go down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I read a, uh, recently a whole study about how the sugar is detrimental to the collagen in your body. So when you're eating for beauty, you definitely want to avoid sugar because sugar is kind of like the enemy of staying youthful and, and having nice skin. Yes, exactly. So it, yes, like I said, it'll cause premature aging of the skin because it breaks down the, the collagen and then it starts to you know, form those like little fine lines. Um, it can cause acne, it could cause other skin, uh, like inflammatory skin conditions. So sugar is not a friend to our skin at all. Do you recommend any substitutes? Like, are there any in particular that you really like? So when we're craving something sweet, I think the best way to satisfy that craving is with a piece of fruit because that's really nature's candy. Um, and I do understand though that, you know, if you're craving a brownie, having a banana is not really going to cut <laughs> it. So what I recommend is trying to turn those fruits into desserts. So for example, having banana ice cream or making date brownies or date truffles. And there's so many different recipes that you can use. I have a ton on my site that will turn the fruit into something that tastes more decadent and it's going to be a lot more satisfying than just eating an orange or eating a, you know, apple. Besides that, um, I would say a sweetener that's going to keep your blood sugar stable is going to be ideal. So something like stevia or mug fruit, which are zero glycemic, they're not going to spike your blood sugar. You only need a tiny bit of those. And so that will give you that sweet taste without spiking your blood sugar. Mm -hmm. When looking for those two sweeteners, 
Do you have, should you look on the label? Is there certain ones that are better than others? Yeah, you want to look for ones that are pure. So I find the liquid versions of them to typically be more pure than the powdered versions. And the powdered versions, they typically try to make it one for one with sugar. So you could use it in recipes easily. Uh, and then they're usually adding sugar alcohols, which can cause digestive issues in some people. So I would avoid those actually. And I would stick to the liquid versions and just the one that has like pure monk fruit, pure monk fruit or pure stevia um, and doesn't have a ton of other additives. What if somebody is looking to lose weight? What would be something that they might want to start with? Because we've talked a lot about kind of allergies and skin issues and beauty, but a lot of people out there, they're like, forget being healthy. I just want to be skinny, you know? So what are some ways that people can kind of do both, be healthy and lose weight? You know, it's so funny. So when I first started, when I got into nutrition, it was originally because of my skin. And then the more research I did, the more that I realized that food affects everything. It affects, you know, our cancer risk. Um, do we get headaches or not get headaches? You know, all of these things. And I was like, I just want everyone to be healthy. That's what I'm going to help people do. Healthy, healthy, healthy. And then it was like crickets. And everyone's like, oh, but can you teach me how to lose weight? And uh -huh. so, you know, then I sort of changed my business around to kind of focus more on the weight loss aspect, but it was by doing it the healthy way, right? So kind of the same diet that's going to help you lose weight is the same diet that's going to help you maintain a healthy weight, which is a real food diet. So I think one of the most important things is adding in more vegetables and fruit because they have not only the nutrients that we need, but fiber. And fiber is what's going to fill us up and it's going to start to crowd out other less healthy foods. So you know, even people who have, um, you know, feel like they overeat a lot or um, snack and binge, you know, just binge on snacks a lot or feel like hangry, you know, get into that cycle of being hungry and angry at the same time all the time. Those are all signs typically that you're not eating enough real whole fiber rich foods, because when you eat fiber rich foods, you will feel full and satisfied. So our body needs these foods to uh, not only for digestion, but to feel full. So if you eat like a huge, I don't know, let's say you eat, uh, uh, I don't know, roasted cauliflower, roasted broccoli and some chickpeas or something, that's going to be a lot more filling than if you had a bag of chips or crackers or cookies. Um, because the processed foods, the way that they're digested, they're just not going to be very filling and they're going to kind of put you in the cycle of always feeling hungry. So adding in more fruits and vegetables is one of the easiest things that we can do um, that's going to help us feel more full. We're going to notice that you're going to probably want less of whatever else is on your plate because what the fiber does is it effectively crowds out other less healthy food. So if you eat a fiber-rich meal, you probably find that, oh, you know, I don't actually want dessert. Even though I usually eat dessert, I don't actually want it today. Or, oh, I can't believe I went from lunch to dinner without wanting a snack. So just simply adding in more vegetables and water, uh, making sure you're drinking enough water, those two things will help you start to lose weight relatively easy without even changing anything else, just simply adding those two things in. You said a food journal is a really good thing. Do you think people should count calories? Because they have a lot of apps now where you just like enter in your food and stuff like that. Do you think that's an effective method? 
So my preferred method is if you think of your plate as a pie chart, to always think at every meal or at as many meals as possible, making at least 50% of it vegetables. And when you do that, because vegetables are so fiber rich and calorie poor compared to other foods, you're naturally going to likely be taking in less calories than you normally would. So you don't necessarily have to track the calories. For me, I find calorie tracking or really tracking anything quite tedious and annoying. And I just want to eat, you know, I'm hungry, I want to eat. So I think just kind of if you think of your plate like that, you want to have your veggies, you want to have um, a healthy protein. So that's like a cup of plant based protein or three to four ounces of animal based protein. And then that other quarter of your plate, that could be more vegetables, it could be plant protein, it could be um, a healthy whole grain gluten free, ideally, um, you also want to have some healthy fat on there. And if you have those components, then you will feel full and satisfied and get everything that you need. And how would someone create that sense of discipline or because I think a lot of people in the beginning, they're really motivated, like I want to lose weight and I want my skin to be clear. And then like a week later, they're like, oh, I just want to eat the bag of Oreos or whatever. So how does someone stay disciplined and motivated. You need to have someone to be accountable to 100%. -hmm. You know, if we like if you told me, hey, Maria, let's go for a walk in the park tomorrow at 3pm. Chances are you're going to be there at 3pm. But if you told yourself, hey, I'm going to go for a walk tomorrow at three, you don't put it in your calendar, just like I'll do it. You might get caught up in work and you you might not actually make it there. So it's very easy for us to break promises to ourselves, but it's much harder for us to break promises to other people. And research has shown this time and time again. So an effective way at helping you reach your goals is really making sure that you're staying accountable. So that could be working with a coach, um, that could be joining some sort of support group, um, that could be even just doing it with a friend and making sure that you and your friend are kind of doing it together. And you don't even have to do it together. You can just tell your friend, okay, this is what I'm doing. Can you help keep me on track? Can you check in with me and make sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to do? But having some form of accountability is really important. And that's why I created, um, you know, when I first started off, I was working primarily one-on-one with people, which is really helpful. But then I started a group program in person, and now it's online. And it's so amazing to be able to connect with other people who are in the same boat as you, going through the same things as you, because you really motivate and inspire each other. And you feel like you're not going through it alone. You have someone to do healthy things with. And it really just makes it that much more powerful and effective. Tell us a little bit about your program. So um, right now it's called Eat Slim, and it's a 10-week online course that teaches you how to improve your eating habits and how to cook healthy meals. So each week, it's about 30 minutes or less of videos that are going to teach you about all the food groups and how do you figure out which foods are good for you and not good for you. There's cooking videos, and it really helps you develop the habits one at a time. And then, of course, there's that great community component. Um, we have live calls each week, and um, you're able to connect with the other participants. So, you know, people, um, you know, just love it because it helps them lose weight, it helps them feel healthier. And there's so many benefits outside just the weight loss. It's like they feel better, their digestion improves, you know, their brain fog goes away. And so it's just a really fun way to get healthy with a group. That's awesome. And I like that you mentioned brain fog because people don't even really know what that is or that that's a thing. They're just like, oh, yeah, I'm just tired or I don't have energy. 
Yeah, no, it's definitely a real thing. It's when you have that sort of cloudy feeling and maybe you can't focus or concentrate. Maybe your memory is like a little shaky, not as sharp as you thought or think it should be. Um, fatigued, all of these things can be can be brain fog. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd like to ask you, what are your top three beauty biohacks? My top three beauty biohacks. So number one, eat more greens, dark leafy greens. So your kale, Swiss chard, arugula, spinach, broccoli, any of these things, because they're very nutrient rich, they're fiber rich, and they're great for our skin. Number two is use natural gentle products. So when I was trying to deal with my acne, I was originally trying to scrub it off of my face with very harsh things or burn it off with all sorts of acids and lasers and God knows what else. And when I switched to gentler products, my skin actually responded better. And so you know, when we do things that are too harsh to our skin, it can only, ex- you know, it sometimes just will just exacerbate the program, uh, uh, exacerbate the problem. So you just want to use more gentle products, more natural products, because natural products are actually, in my opinion, more effective. Um, if you find the right products, they work really well. And the third tip for clear skin is reducing inflammation. So some of my top foods for reducing inflammation are anything that any foods that are high in omega-3 fatty acids. So those are things like wild salmon, hemp seeds, chia seeds, flax seeds. Uh, those are really great sources of omega-3s and including those in your diet regularly can help reduce inflammation and therefore help reduce um, premature aging and acne. Awesome. Those are all good ones. Those are awesome. Um, and what is your personal definition of beauty? My personal definition of beauty are things that make us feel good and just make us happy. You know, I think beauty is so important and it's not frivolous at all. When we see beautiful things, it lights us up. And I think we need more beauty in the world. And I think that we can cultivate our own beauty from within. And I think that it's way more than skin deep. Our beauty comes from how we feel, how we treat people. And I think that we can all cultivate that from within. Awesome. And where can people find you? People can find me. My website is mariamarlo.com and Marlo is M-A-R-L-O-W-E. I also post regularly on Instagram. So I have a lot of great recipes and tips on there. And that's just at Maria Marlo. And I also have a podcast called Happier and Healthier, which is available on iTunes and wherever podcasts are. So you could check me there as well. Yay. And it's a great podcast. I love it. So I'm excited. Thank you so much for being on the show. This was amazing. Thank you for having me. I love talking with you. Hey, thank you so much for listening. I hope that you got a lot of wisdom and amazing information out of that. I know I did. Maria is an incredible woman. Please check out her website and the show notes for all of the amazing links that she's guided us to. If you like this episode, please share it with a family member or a friend or someone that you care about. And please subscribe to the show and rate it. 
please, please, so that we can get more amazing guests like Maria on the show. Thank you so much. I hope you have a beautiful week.